0: This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. Uh, Greetings to you, Resurrection, and and greetings to you, all of our guests who are gathered here with us today. This is Youth Confirmation Sunday. Uh, We have, later this morning, we'll have eight students being confirmed, and of course, we're joined by Bishop Julian for that. We're grateful for him. Um, If you're not familiar with Confirmation, I just wanted to quickly explain kind of what happens there. So two things. One is that for these eight students, most of them were baptized as as babies or as small children. And so their parents, their godparents as well, spoke on their behalf and made these vows and promises that they would follow the Lord. And so this morning, what you're gonna hear is that our students are gonna voice their own yes and amen to those very same vows and promises. So you're gonna see them owning the faith for themselves. But secondly, and even more importantly, what we're asking for is for the Holy Spirit to descend upon them, to strengthen them, so that they can walk in the callings that they've been given by the Lord. So those two things are what happens during confirmation. Uh, And so this morning, I wanted to introduce our preacher. Um, So I'm gonna bring up, this is Caleb Karnash, and you might not know Caleb, uh, but Caleb has... Maybe you do know Caleb. Caleb has served faithfully as a ministry resident for the last two years working with with me and Res Youth and Res College. Um, He's married to McKenna and they have a a one-year-old son named Luca, who's very cute. I hope you get a chance to see him. Um, But Caleb's going to be uh, preaching the word of God to us this morning. Um, So can I pray, Caleb? Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you, thank you for these students that are gonna be confirmed today. And Lord, we pray your blessing on them even now that they would hear your voice speaking to them through scripture. And Lord, bless your servant Caleb as he faithfully preaches your word to us, amen. Thank you, Will.
1: Um, it's truly an honor and a privilege to be asked to do this. I've, I've greatly enjoyed walking through with our confirmands over these last couple weeks, and I'm excited to be here today with them. So when I was younger, uh, summertime was truly the supreme season. You know, the weather was warm. We could go swimming. We could ride bikes. We could spend time with friends outside. It was awesome. However, there is one small but wonderful thing about summertime growing up that has always stuck with me. And it was a small blackberry bush that we found at the edge of our property that would grow ripe berries every summer. My sister and I found this one day as we were exploring and and were instantly excited to gather as many as we could. We ran into the house and we grabbed the biggest bowl we could find and we went back out and we just started filling the bowl with all of the ripe berries, all the ones that were so ready to be eaten. And we take them inside um, and eat them with my family. And so this was always a small part of the summer. It was a very small bush, and it was only ripe for a season. Um, But that very small thing and just those few berries made this joy and delight that my whole family got to participate in, even if it was just enough for just a simple simple snack uh, in the middle of the day. You see, in the gospel reading we heard today, Jesus had several things to say about living a fruitful life. If something as small and simple as a blackberry bush could bring my entire family delight and joy, how much more does Jesus Christ delight to see his disciples bear fruit? How much more does he delight in that? And so, confirmands, today is a big day for you all. In just a few moments, you will come up here and and stand before the congregation and before the bishop. and, And as Will was saying, you know, say for yourselves these vows and these promises made for you at your baptism. This is a huge step. And so as you take this step, I want you to know just how deeply Jesus desires that you bear fruit. And because Jesus' supreme delight is in your fruitfulness. He wants to see you blossom and grow into young men and young women who pursue holiness and build up the body of Christ, the church. So the question that stands before all of you today is the same question that stands before all of us gathered here today. And it looks like, and the question is this, what does it look like to live a fruitful life? It's a question that all of us, I think, at some point have wrestled with. What what does it mean for us to truly bear fruit for Jesus Christ? How, How does that happen? What do we do? And I think this passage, this gospel reading today, Jesus depicts for us two necessary parts for living a fruitful life. The first is a focus on the gardener, the role of the gardener in our lives, the work that the Father does in and through us and upon us to shape us and make us able to bear fruit and then the second is the role of the vine and this is the role that that we play what 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 part do we play in the fruit that we see in our lives and the fruit bearing fruit for Jesus Christ and his kingdom and so if you will please turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 15 Um, I believe in the pew Bibles it's page 901 So, I'll be starting just by reading the first four verses as we look at the role of the gardener. So, Jesus says in verse 1 I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you abide in me and i in you and you will, and and as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine neither can you unless you abide in me so here jesus is speaking to his disciples right people who have already come to believe in, that he is who he says he is and right away he gets to the main focus of this entire passage he is the true vine there is no other place that we can bear fruit. There is no other source of fruitfulness. But he also highlights something else equally as important. And, that, and it shows us that the father acts as the gardener. You see, the father is not apathetic. He is decisive and cares deeply for the vine. He wants it to bear as much fruit as possible. And so he cuts away and prunes and, and throws away the, the, the branches that have stopped bearing fruit and prunes and shapes the ones that are bearing fruit. And you see, the message is clear. The Father intentionally creates space and shapes the vine so that it can reach its full potential and maximum fruitfulness. See, Not too long ago, my wife, McKenna, uh, began to be interested in, in creating her own sourdough bread. Maybe some of you have done this or enjoy doing this. Um, but she began researching and gathering the supplies, and then began the process. And now she does admit that oftentimes, when starting new things like this, she gets very excited. <laughs> She's excited at the prospect of being able to eat this bread and, and all of these different factors. And, and because of her excitement, she neglected an important step in the process. You know, she had dutifully been adding you know more ingredients to the sourdough starter every day. However, what she neglected to do was remove a piece of the sourdough starter before feeding it with new ingredients. And you see, this inevitably led to her walking into the room one day to check on this jar full of sourdough starter to see it completely bubbled out and spilling all over the table in just a big, gooey mess. And it was because she neglected to trim away these pieces that the starter resulted in this overflowing thing. It just too, it was too much. And so it didn't do what it was supposed to do. It wasn't, it wasn't aiding her in the end goal of making this bread. And I tell you this story because it's for this precise reason that the Father prunes the branches that bear fruit. He knows that if we are left on our own, we become entangled with sin and anxieties and worries and fears, and that we may bear some fruit still, but... There's even more fruitfulness that can come if he just prunes these things away, trims these things out, removes these, prob- these sins and these anxieties and worries from our life. It comes through an intentional trimming away, because he wants to trim away what prevents the vine from bearing the most fruit it possibly can. And you see, this pruning can often feel counterproductive. In some cases, it can feel like the Lord is working against us rather than for us, because it hurts, it's not easy, it's difficult. But Jesus' words here in this passage assure us that he wants us, he wants and desires to create a space for more fruit. That's why he does what he does. And he wants, you see, he wants to see you grow in the fruit of the Spirit, right? He wants to see you grow in selflessness and patience and gentleness. But that growth can only come in its fullness as the Lord uproots pride and harshness and self-centeredness. The fruitful life begins with our humble submission to the Father, the master gardener, as he prunes, shapes, and cleanses you to bear more fruit than we could ever imagine, than we could ever plan for. So this is the, the role of the gardener. But now let's look at the role of the vine. What role do we play in this? And so I'm gonna read verse five, then I'm gonna jump over to, to verse eight and go from there. But in verse five, Jesus continues, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. You see, in this section of the passage, Jesus makes clear another core tenet of the fruitful life. And it's this, it is impossible to bear fruit on your own. Jesus' words in verse 5 are striking, and they couldn't be more clear. He goes, Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears fruit, much fruit, but apart from me, you can do absolutely nothing. There is absolutely no way we can bear fruit on our own. There's no amount of discipline, there's no amount of self-control, there's no amount of forcing us ourselves into these things to bear the fruit as the Lord wants it to be born. Right? And however, This doesn't mean that we just sit apathetically and wait. This doesn't mean that we don't do anything in the pursuit of a fruitful life. Because we see here also that we, as the branches, are are intimately attached to the vine. And as the branches, we extend outward and we bear fruit. This is something that benefits everyone. And Jesus actually explains how we can know that we abide in him as a branch abides in the vine in verse 10. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. You see, the Father, he's there, and he prunes and shapes the vine to bear more and more fruit. Jesus Christ sits at the center as the true vine, the source of all fruitfulness. And yet we, as disciples of Christ, are called to respond by abiding in Christ through obedience. Whereas humble submission to the Father was the first marker of the fruitful life here, we see obedience to Jesus Christ as the second marker. Jesus explains how he abides in the Father's love through obedience and tells us to embody a love like his, a love marked by obedience to his commandments. See, as a kid, I would often be asked by my parents to help them weed the garden in the back of the house. And I was almost never excited about this request because it was always a little bit more than a request. It was kind of like, you're gonna help us weed the garden. And I knew, and I was not happy about this because I knew it required real work, right? It required getting my hands dirty, pulling up what, what felt like thousands of weeds. And the constant reminder, the constant refrain given to me by my parents is, make sure you pull up the root. And sure enough, out of laziness or just disobedience, I would neglect to do just that. I would neglect to, to uproot the actual root of the weed, and in a couple days, they'd be back. But despite my disobedience, my parents would still continue to weed the garden. They would still clear it and make it ready to bear fruit. And you see, when it comes to living a fruitful life for Jesus Christ, it needs to be clearly understood that Christ can bear fruit despite our disobedience. He often does. But just as my parents asked me to participate in the work of weeding the garden, in order to some degree participate in the joy and the delight of seeing a weed-free garden, Jesus Christ asks us to do the work of obedience because he's inviting us to participate in the joy of seeing the fruit. He wants us to experience his joy and delight that he feels when he sees fruit being born in us. And the way that we participate in that love and that joy is through obedience to what Christ has commanded us to do. And now, I want to make clear also that Jesus doesn't highlight this role of obedience in order to kind of dangle his love in front of us, like you would dangle an apple in front of a hungry horse. right? He's not showing it. He's not like saying, oh, just keep coming. No. He's simply acknowledging the reality that obedience to his commands is essential to participating in his joy. As Jesus explains to his disciples in verse 11, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. See, loving obedience to Jesus connects us to the joy of Jesus. So in conclusion, how is it that we go about living a fruitful life? That was the question that we started off with, and it's the question we find ourselves at again. And we see in this passage that first it begins with an act of our Heavenly Father, the gardener, intentionally working, pruning, and shaping us to bear more fruit than we could ever imagine. And the second is to live a fruitful life, we need to live a lovingly, obedient life for Jesus. You see, this is the call of all of those who'd seek to delight in the fruit that our Father delights in, to share in his eternal joy and love. So, Confirmance, I address you again here at the end, because as you step into this next chapter of your relationship with Jesus Christ, I want you to know that the Church of Resurrection wants nothing more to see you bear fruit for Jesus Christ and we will always be here for you and always be there to support you for this. And I can say with confidence that your parents and the pastors here at Res want nothing more than to see your life bear fruit for Jesus. You have a home here at Church of the Resurrection. But above all, I want you to remember that your heavenly Father earnestly desires for you to bear fruit and is intentionally right now in this moment, in this season of your life, shaping you for that purpose. And remember that Jesus Christ wants you to experience the fullness of joy in obedience to him. And this is not a joy that is here today and gone tomorrow, but a joy that is steady, sweet, and full of love. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.